Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. Uh, my name is Scott, and thank you guys so much for joining me. So, guys, welcome. Yeah, so it has been a long time since I have done a podcast. It is absolutely insane because the last one I did would have been when I had that series about sex in the church and I was able to talk to uh, Natalie Miller Moore and that was the last one I did. And I think we recorded that back in November of 2020 and we are now in March of 2021. So it has been a long time since I've done a podcast and um, reason for that is it's just, you know, life, man. you know, I'm still doing the virtual learning with my kids. I'm still uh, tackling um, church stuff, and it has just been uh, bonkers. Uh, at the same time, there has also been something that I really wanted to discuss and talk about, but unfortunately, um, I have not had the opportunity to discuss it because... Um, mainly because it's been... Uh, Man, because anytime I try to talk about something, there's always something new that comes up. And that's kind of, if you're looking at this title, uh, I'm going to be talking about the truth of cancel culture. Now, cancel culture seems to be a buzzword, a trigger word in our society as of late. I wouldn't say it's a recent phenomenon, but I would say it is probably a phenomenon that is um, very prevalent within the last probably five, I'd say even decade, Uh, but the reality is this cancel culture has kind of been, in my opinion, has kind of been a thing since the beginning of time. Um, So for an example, and I want to kind of read some stuff because this is kind of what first started it, and I know I'm going to, uh, I know I'm going to probably say something, so... um, So let's go ahead and read this first post from somebody. And again, I'm not going to name names, but this individual, someone who's very close to me. Uh, So if you know you wrote this and you're hearing me, uh, I do apologize, but that's why I'm not saying your name. So here's here's the quote that really started me to think. This came back all the way from January of this year, uh, January 31st to be exact. And it says, just another vent from a history buff. The cancel culture are at it again. The progressives are at it again in San Francisco. They are eliminating the names of many founding founding founders, Abraham Lincoln and even Dianne Feinstein. Why? Because they object to certain things in their past. He who is without sin shall cast the first stone. Christ said this and I agree. What person has lived a life totally spotless and free of criticism. They should strip every name from everything. Even MLK wasn't without some criticism, but I wouldn't remove his name, or any saint for that matter would qualify. The main thing that frustrates me is lying, is laying on them our moral standards several centuries later. When they were slave owners, they were doing nothing illegal, and it was socially acceptable. Subduing the Native Americans as they were thought to be hostile, and we were taming the West for expansion. Both of these are horrible things and I am not condoning any of it, but I choose to look at the at all the good many of these people did and not judge them against my values of today. There are real racial injustice issues we need to spend our time on and not worry about rewriting history to make themselves look like they are doing something to correct iniquities. Would you want to be judged two centuries later for the thing you did wrong or be remembered for the many things you did right? Okay, 
So that kind of started my whole idea about what is cancel culture, because there's a lot of depth to that. And it seems like within the last, I'd say probably within the last, and I'm going to go back to probably the last uh, eight years. Uh, I may even go back 10 years, a decade, just the last decade. Um, we have seen a shift in some of these things. Uh, for an example, you know, right now we're seeing that there's this big thing about canceling culture. You know, even living here in Virginia, there was a lot of debate and argument about, well, about Confederate monuments being taken down uh, or even like the flag, the Confederate flag being removed. And a lot of the discussion from, I would hear people saying here, well, when I look at the flag, when I look at those statues, I don't see racism. I see our Southern history. I see our Southern heritage. I see all these things. And right now they're trying to, whoever they are, are trying to cancel my culture. At the same time, we can go, there's one quote on Twitter um, back on, and it, it actually happened before that, and I just happened to see it. For all you griping about cancel culture, I got two words for you, Colin Kaepernick. Which for those of you who probably know who Colin Kaepernick now, but if you don't, this was a quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers who was pro, who in his words was protesting police brutality. So during the national anthem, he kneeled, which caused a whole firestorm of information and fire and a lot of things that happened. And because of the outrage, a lot of people will say that cancel culture ended up getting Colin Kaepernick out of the NFL. And even though he's still doing charitable work and he still continues to get um, commercial deals, sometimes even in advertisement, if people find out he's even on like a Nike commercial, then there's a big boycott of Nike. All right, to kind of pressure a company to be able to cancel or get rid of somebody, a controversial figure, so that they can still make a product and make money off their product. So that's cancel culture in a nutshell. And the thing is, is we could always look that, oh, well, it's the progressives, it's the liberals, it's the conservatives, it's, it's all this stuff, but really... Whether side, whether what other side you are on politically, what other side you are on from a religious perspective, whatever side you are on, if you look deep down through your history, cancel culture is always in your narrative and in your DNA. For an example, um, I was reading this. It says uh, this is from from uh, Twitter. This was posted on February seventh this year, and it says. You guys remember that time Eugene Peterson said maybe gay marriage wasn't that bad and Christian bookstores rushed to take all his books off the shelves and everyone in the country trashed him until he took it back? Wish we had a word for a culture that encouraged that. Well, that's cancel culture, friends. Um, even even going back a little bit further, uh, there was a book that was published years ago. I'd say back in 2011. That's why I'm kind of saying 10 years ago. Rob Bell wrote a book called Love's Wins, which apparently was a very controversial book. Um, and I've read the book, and again, I probably read the book right when it came out, so 2011. Um, and I read it, and yeah, there were some things I disagreed with, but there was nothing in there that I thought was very controversial, which made me want to go and get all angry and shake my fist. 
But on February 26th of 2011, uh, John Piper responded with a tweet that simply just said, farewell, Rob Bell, or goodbye, Rob, as some people will say, and that impacted Rob Bell's ministry. That impacted him uh, because of that book. Like I think from there, he resigned as the pastor at the Mars Hill Church in Michigan. Um, I think he was kind of took some time off. He wrote some other books. But yeah, we kind of see Rob Bell just kind of disappeared from the evangelical conscience because some people didn't like his book. Even recently with uh, Beth Moore um, saying she's no longer going to be part of the SBC anymore. Already we saw an article that Lifeway Books is basically pulling her material, pulling her books, pulling everything off uh, the shelves. In a way to hurt her, even Jen Hatmaker uh, had some controversial comments about uh, same-sex marriage and, and, and the church and the LBGTQ community, and she got taken off bookshelves. There was a couple of series I had saved on Right Now Media that I thought were really good, and all of a sudden I couldn't find them anymore. They were taken off the site, yet they still had a bunch of Mark Driscoll stuff on there, but they didn't cancel that guy, which that guy is a... Um, that guy has a lot of history as well. So the thing is, is when we look at someone and people may say, well, it's the liberals that are canceling our conservative culture. Well, conservatives, you've been canceling culture as well. And even if we go all the way back to the depths of history, and for me, I'm a little bit biased because I'm looking at, um, I'm looking more back at, um, I'm looking more back at church history, but when we look at church history and when we look at all these things that happen, um, you can see a lot of times where things have been canceled. I mean, one may make a case, and this is going to be controversial, so brace yourself, but one could easily make an argument that cancel culture goes all the way back to the Old Testament. I mean, some people say cancel culture could be the flood narrative. Some people could say cancel culture in the uh, Joshua and Judges narrative. Um, you know, you uh, cancel culture could even go back to the times of the first, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles. Uh, even in the New Testament, we saw cancel culture where Paul is writing about staying strong and true to your faith. Even the book of Revelation, uh, you know, you have Emperor Nero trying to get rid of Christianity and kill all the Christians because they don't like their message. Uh, that's cancel culture. The Jews um, ruffling up the crowd to pardon Barabbas and crucify Jesus. That's cancel culture. Even if we want to go all the way back to church history, and, and I guess the clear example would be during the time of the monarchs, because again, during the time of the monarchs, there was a rule that whoever was the ruler, their religion ruled. So again, um, which basically means if the king was Catholic, then basically Catholicism was the religion of the land, which for most cases, you really had some tips early on between uh, Roman Catholicism and even the Orthodoxy Church, and you've had some of that with there with monarchs. But then once the Protestant Reformation happened, we really begin to see this in a powerful way, especially with King Henry VIII who already had been divorced. He wanted to get a second divorce from his fifth wife, I believe. He's had multiple wives, I'm trying to remember. 
but from his fifth wife, and the Catholic Church says, well, you've already been divorced, so we can't divorce you again. So what does King Henry do? Well, I'm going to be Protestant. Then I can get a divorce. And then when King Henry was Protestant, then Protestant religion ruled the land. And then when King Henry died and his son Edward took over for a couple years and died, then his daughter, Queen Mary, or Bloody Mary, took over and she was Catholic. So guess what happened? If you were Catholic, that's the rule of the land. And if you're Protestant, you either need to convert to Catholicism or life was going to be difficult for you. Whether we're going to affect your businesses, we're going to affect your livelihood, or we were going to affect your life in very consequential ways, meaning that you would probably be tortured and killed. And that was kind of the big thing. Even when we get to the Church of England and why we had, um, even why we had uh, people come over here or our Puritans come over here to America, they wanted to establish a city on the hill to kind of show Britain, England, hey, Here's what the true church is supposed to look like. And then once the church repented from their ways, they were going to pack up shop. They're going to head back over to England. They had no intention in staying in America. But they did. And because of this idea of a city on a hill or this idea of being a Christian nation, that still kind of does the ripple effects of cancel culture. I mean, even think about the Obama administration. Why was it that people did not like Obama? I mean, we could look at some of his policies that people might not disagree. But I think a lot of times within conservatism and even through the evangelical faith, one of the big things was, well, Obama is a Muslim. Why does that matter? Because he's not a Christian. And this is a country that was founded on Christian values. And because we have a Muslim in the highest office of our government, he is going to cancel Christianity. So we have to fight him. We have to fight for our rights. We got to do all these things. And really, I'm using this illustration to really prove that cancel culture is not a new phenomenon. Cancel culture is something that has been relevant from the beginning of time. So when we look at what cancel culture is, when we look at what is the deep foundation of cancel culture, the only thing that I can really narrow it down to has to do with narrative. It has to do with narrative and control, right? So for an example, let's go take a look at the Me Too movement, okay? So if we understand what Me Too movement is, it's basically to empower women and even men who have been sexually assaulted, raped, uh, sexually abused, in, in, or any type of sexual misconduct whatsoever, right? And women are coming out and crying out about it, even men too. I mean, we can look at um, Terry Crews probably being the one that I can think of off the top of my head and some of the sexual misconduct that came after him. So they go and they share their story against somebody who is powerful, whether it be a politician, another actor, businessman, minister, whatever the case may be. And by minister, specifically looking at, you know, Bill Hybels and uh, at least more recently, Bill Hybels and even some of the stuff that happened within the SBC in the last three years with their sexual misconduct. All right. 
So that's the narrative. So when someone is saying, hey, this individual, this powerful individual took advantage of me, um, you know, sexually assaulted me, raped me. And then what's the narrative? She's a liar. She's making it all up. That happened. If, if it did happen, I don't even remember because that happened 20, 30 years ago. I don't even remember. I may have did it. I may not have did it. I don't know. But anyway, it's not going to hold up in court. Statutes of limitation. And what has happened is here's the narrative. And again, my camera's flipped. So, so here's the narrative. And all of a sudden, we're going to stop it. We're going to cancel it and we're going to turn the narrative so it comes back around and makes the victim, makes the one who has been suffering, make the one who has been abused look like the villain. I mean, Black Lives Matter. What was the purpose of Black Lives Matter? Well, if we talk to someone who is in the organization, their thing is not that, well, we don't care about any of the other lives. But we care about that there isn't the same amount of justice that happens against people of color than people who are white. So the whole concept of Black Lives Matters from their perspective, because I'm not here to get in an argument about Black Lives Matters, but from their perspective, it is that we are being killed we are being mistreated. We are being brutalized by the police, by uh, certain policies that continue to keep us suppressed and oppressed. And yet, we want to make sure that we have the same dignity, the same type of well life and that white folks do, that privileged folks do, right? But what happens when we start talking about Black Lives Matter, we change the narrative. Well, all lives matter. People kneeling because of, to kind of shed awareness of police brutality against blacks, we change the narrative. You're disrespecting our men and soldier in uniform, even though that was never the beginning of the narrative. And the narrative continues to get spun by our beliefs, by our opinions, by the media, that we don't even know what the true story is. I mean, recently we just saw that six Asian people got killed. So we see, stop violence against Asian Americans. No, 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 stop violence against all Americans. Are we changing that narrative? See, that is the problem with cancel culture. If we don't like the narrative, instead of saying, ooh, this is affecting me. I'm, I'm feeling these raw emotions from this narrative. Instead of sitting back and going, okay, let me feel this. Let me experience this rawness. Let me experience this discomfort. Because it's not vibing with my opinion. It's not vibing with, my, with how I see the world. It's not vibing with things. Then maybe what I should do is do my homework, do my research, Maybe talk to people and just talk to a, not just one person, because we always have that one person that agrees with us, regardless of gender, regardless of sexual orientation, regardless of race, that's always, regardless of religion, regardless of politics, that's always going to agree with us because we're friends. 
but really talk to someone and go, hey, you know, what do you, f- how are you, how is this affecting you? What is your thoughts on this? Because I want to know, because I want to learn so I can have a better understanding of something instead of it being a trigger word or a buzzword for me to just automatically have a knee-jerk reaction to cancel something, to redirect the narrative, right? And yet we live in a society where taking time to discuss, to debate, to really to really try to come to some sort of common ground so that we can kind of say, okay, even after all the information that I have received about, let's say, Black Lives Matter, I may still disagree with Black Lives Matters, but at least I understand it now. Or I may agree with Black Lives Matters, And I still may disagree with your opinion with the all lives matter hashtag, but at least I kind of understand the whole picture now. And the problem is, is as Americans, as people in our world, we don't have time to really sit and understand because we allow the media to control the narrative. We allow the people within our inner circles to control the narrative. And if you have people who are around you that are saying the same thing over and over and over again, either you're going to buy into it because, again, these are the people I hang out with. These are my family. These are my friends. These are the people I go to church with. So that's the narrative I'm buying into, even though there's something deep down in me that says, you know, maybe this isn't all – maybe this isn't – maybe I'm not – uh, 100% sold into this. I mean, everything from Corano being let go to um, boycotts at Disney for having Gay Day to Starbucks in the Red Cups. Like, come on, people. Stop buying into a false narrative. Stop buying to anything anybody says to you. And I know I'm kind of at fault too because you're probably listening to my podcast. You're like, I'm not going to buy into what Scott's saying. Good. Don't buy into what I'm saying. Instead, research. Do your homework. Because I'm not going to go up here and pull stuff out of my butt just for your entertainment. I have, literally, I have 10 tabs pulled up right now so I can look and read these posts so I can kind of understand why people are getting so bent out of shape of cancel culture and then just try to make a educated guess or educated opinion based off my context or based on the things that I'm going through, the base that I was raised, the things that I was taught and even if there's something that disagrees with my training At least I want to be in the same mindset to be a good steward, to be a good student, and really digest the narrative, to really try to understand their point of view and go, okay, I still may not understand, but I definitely do understand your point of view. And I'm going to continue to keep working, and I'm going to continue. And you know what? It's okay to not have a definitive answer. In fact, I would say once we start having a fine line definitive answer that's set in stone, that is actually probably maybe 
the worst thing we can do because then we can, our minds cannot be changed. When new evidence is brought to the table, we can't be fluid and move a little bit. Now, I'm not saying you can't have strong-held convictions, strong-held beliefs, because I think that everybody needs to have those because we'd just be wishy-washy all the time. But if something does conflict with one of those hard-line beliefs, instead of canceling the culture, instead of redirecting the narrative, instead of turning it around and making the person who is bringing up something and saying, hey, this is wrong, what we need to do is really just sit and stew a little bit. And for me, literally, I had this podcast planned for January. We're now almost towards the end of the March, and I finally got around to recording it because there was still more stuff that I needed to process, still more stuff that I needed to research before I brought things to the table. That may be bad podcasting, but you know what? That's okay. I'm not planning on being the next Joe Rogan, you know? I'm not planning on having a million subscribers and people listening to me daily. It'd be great if I did. I mean, boy, that'd be wonderful. But at the same time, that's not my calling. That's not what I'm here to do. All I'm here to do is present content to help make you think, to help make you process, and hopefully help you be able to understand something that's happening in our culture, uh, something that we may be going through, uh, maybe a hot topic thing that's happening, and try to maybe get a better picture of what it is. All right, guys, that's it for me. I've rambled on long enough, almost about a half an hour. Guys, thank you so much for listening to me. If you're watching this, thank you so much for watching. Again, feel free to follow me on Twitter, um, vicious, uh, twitter.com slash viciousgrandma. You can follow me at the official Scott Stemmen Podcast Facebook page by the Scott Stedman, and also follow me on Instagram, uh, the official uh, Scott Stedman. Um, I did download TikTok. Still not sure how I'm going to use that platform for any podcast or any other projects I'm doing. Um, still kind of figuring out the nuts and bolts of it. And I scratch my head, not because I have an itch, but also because I still don't understand TikTok. Uh, but I can see why it's addicting to some people. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. And hopefully I'll have a podcast a little bit sooner than, you know, almost four to five months out. Uh, but guys, thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. And again, if you hear something, don't jump to conclusions. Don't cancel it. Let it stew. Let it process. Do your homework. Do your research. And then draw your conclusions from that. All right, guys. Thank you so much for watching. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.